As we get older and wiser, there are many things and comforts in our lives that just become the norm. In general, life seems to be a little bit more easygoing. We become a little bit more established. Sometimes we have extra income to spend on the things that we love to do. But there are two things that only get more difficult. One is dating. The other one is making new friends. If you've ever had the opportunity to move to a new city or a new location, you've experienced this. You have to start over with your social circle. And that's been my reality for the past year or so. That's why one of my New Year's resolutions is to be better at building relationships and be better at connecting with those relationships that I've already made. So I figured that the best way to get started on this journey was to make myself accountable by sharing it with you and inviting someone to discuss this topic. My guest this episode is Nikki Noble, a Cuban-American best-selling author and intuitive dating coach. Her latest book, The Final Swipe, Heal Your Heart, Find Your Person, and End the Dating Search for Good, was listed as the number one dating book in Amazon. She's also a certified hypnotherapist with the International Association of Counselors and Therapists and has been commissioned to speak by organizations like Equinox, Yahoo, Macy's, among others. And she has been featured in Mary Claire, NBC, and Telemundo. During this convo, we discovered we have so much in common, like we both dated a lot. And mom, if you're listening, you might need earmuffs for this. We also sometimes had to hide our dating life from our parents for fear of looking like sluts. That's a thing when you're a woman sometimes. It's a crazy double standard, I know. But more importantly, Nikki shares powerful insight on the actions that help us attract the right relationships in our lives and why our spiritual journeys play such a major role in our love lives. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming at you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you stories and ideas related to life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the Diferente life, and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. Thank you for joining us, Nikki Novo. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you on Diferente. I've been following you for a little bit, learning about what you do as an intuitive dating coach and also kind of keeping up with you on the podcast that you have as well, which we'll get into that in a little bit. But it's very exciting to have you because I have decided that my one of my New Year's resolutions is going to be to be better at building relationships and better at maintaining those relationships. <laughs> is, that, is that all types of relationships or is it romantic or all relationships? No. So it's my mostly my friend and family relationships because okay. I am I'm married so oh, okay. thankfully I'm past the dating side <laughs> good, of things good, good, good. <laughs> so you don't have to you just have to maintain that really you know keep, keep the yeah, spark going that, absolutely with my mm -hmm. husband as well yes yeah. but I really want to be better at the connection that we that I build with people okay so I thought who better than to talk to about this than Nikki Novo who has been doing this for quite a while and teaching others how to do that 
That's such a beautiful like thing to want to do. You know what? There's a reason why I wanted to do that. And it's because this past year has been really difficult for me. I've been very alone and mm. kind of just, um, I don't know how to say it, but just kind of reserved in my own mm -hmm. space. And because of that, I've become a little bit more introverted. So it's just been a little bit harder. And I really want to be more conscious about the way that I go about building relationships and maintaining the friendships that I already mm -hmm. have. We'll get into it a little bit more later, but there's a little bit of fear of rejection too when it comes to For making sure. new connections with people. And of so, course. so let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to when you were little. Where are you from? I was born in New Jersey to um, two Cuban parents. And my parents um, left Cuba with their families. They, they, didn't, they didn't get married in Cuba. They met in New Jersey, um, had the three of us. And then we moved to Miami when I was about seven. Okay. And then what? What led you to other – did you ever leave Miami after that or – Yeah, so I, you know, I grew up here, and then um, I don't know if you're, because you're, you're, are your parents, your parents are Hispanic too, no? And you're Hispanic. I'm, well, actually, I'm from Mexico, so yeah, my okay. parents are from are from Mexico, and so okay. am I. I was born in Mexico City. You were born in Mexico City, okay. So I don't know if that's like if it's the same kind of tradition, but in, um, for the Cuban parents, like it's either like you only leave the house, like if you're in a white, in a white dress or in a casket, right? Like either you're dead yeah. or like, or you're married. So that tends um, to be the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I will, you know, and it's funny because my parents got, um, a little bit like soft af after me because I'm, I'm the second child. So my, my, brother was able to leave to college, but, um, it wasn't like really, I don't know. It was like, we're going to college, but we're definitely going somewhere close. Like it wasn't necessarily, mm. um, kind of an option to leave. So <laughs> I, I, um, which is kind of actually how I started, like got, that's how I got into dating work in a weird way because I was engaged very young. I had a, I had a high school boyfriend, um, high school sweetheart that I dated throughout college And we got engaged um, when I was like 21. I think I remember being like, I don't even, I wasn't even 21 at our um, engagement party. So I must have been like 20 because wow. I remember not being le like legally able to drink, but like my parents <laughs> let me drink. How does America wow. let, how do these countries like let kids get married? Like you can, you can get married, yeah. but you can't drink. Like how does yeah. that happen? <laughs> I don't get that. Um, so anyways, I, I like, you know, two months before that wedding, I, I broke it off. I was like, I can't do this. My dad was like, you don't want to get married. Like, let's call this wedding off. So we called off the wedding two months before. And then, um, I moved to California and this was after college. Like I had already graduated and I moved to LA. I had, was, I was always working in entertainment and film. Um, so I moved there, you know, with the excuse of for work, but really I was just like trying to get away from my old life. You know, I was dating this <laughs> okay. guy for eight years. We were engaged. I broke it off. Wow. Like I just turned like everything upside down. But but I heard this voice that was like, don't do it. Like you were meant for something else. Like this is not it. <laughs> so I came home and like, you know, I was like, I wanted to break off the wedding. And my mom was like, no, like, are you crazy? Like, you know, like she's like just trying to marry me off. <gasps> and um, then my dad was um, more supportive and like, you know, got it. And then, um, and then, yeah, like, but that was like the beginning of me having a relationship with myself. Like I had mm. never really asked myself, like, what do I want from life? Like, who am I? You, know, you like, don't know who you are at 20. No, God, <laughs> That's part God of it. no. And that experience like forced me into that. And then when I moved to LA, which I'm sure is a little bit of what you're experiencing is that 
Um, I had some friends there for sure from the industry because I had already been working in the industry in Miami, even though I was so young. But um, so I had friends who were already there before me. But you know, I was alone, you know what I mean? Which is like what you're experiencing. And there's something really interesting what happens when you're alone. Like when you're, even if you have, you know, your husband and, and Mm -hmm. things like that, but like, there's just so much quiet time because I was alone. I started, I had no choice, but to learn about myself. Like I was either going to get annoyed by myself or like become friends with myself. (laughs) <laughs> and that's what the aloneness like did. That's what the lonely, that's not a word, lonely. That's what the loneliness <laughs> did to me. Like I was like, okay, who are you? What do you like? What don't you like? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, the kind of like not having the amount of friends that I had here and opinions and like distractions um, led me to myself. Like I had no other choice. Like I had like a handful of friends and when you have a handful of friends, you can't, you're not, you're not busy all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that was the beginning of like this awakening that I feel that, you know, hopefully we get to at some point in our lifetimes. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So after being in LA, you returned to Miami when? So I was in LA for about three years. I worked in the film industry. It's what I, st- I studied publicity. So I, that's um, why I was there wonderful time, had a great time. But when I was there, I realized that, um, I wanted to be a writer, but growing up in Miami and my parents, um, you know, my father is a physician and there's like, like, I know that the Hispanic culture in general, like there's a lot of influence, um, I'm sorry, emphasis on getting like a, a professional degree, you know, like being like a doctor, a lawyer, an attorney. So I didn't know that you could be creative for a living. Did you know that you could be creative for a living or did you like learn that later? No, I did. Like, did I did actually. I was, I was very lucky in that my parents were all about me doing what I wanted to do, but they were very specific about me what being practical and deciding <laughs> what it was, at, you know, from the get go. Like right. I went, I actually went to school to study journalism. And when I switched it and I decided to go into production, they flipped out. <laughs> they were like, why would you change your mind? It's because, like, I'm yeah, 19 years old. I don't know what I want. <laughs> and journalism is like respectable, you know? It's like, oh, okay, I can understand that. I understand what journalism yes, is. It's like, it's sort of creative, but it's yes. also respected. And yes, they were like, exactly. production, what? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know that that was like a possibility. Like I, I, I guess I knew, but I didn't think you could like make money doing it. So then I moved back to Miami around 2008. Um, because I wanted to be a writer and I felt like I had more contacts here and I missed home. I was, you know, I was ready. Um, it was like a nice fling in California, but I guess (laughs) I never really felt like I could like ground or root there. So I came back home. Um, and also, I mean, I had this like on and off boyfriend in LA that I was just like, I was like, if I stay here, I'm just going to keep getting back with this guy. And like, I just need to to get away from this. So I I understand. um, (laughs) Yeah. Which it was like fun, but so then I moved back to Miami. Um, became I started freelance writing, like um, just kind of pitching people, um, seeing whoever would you know take me, and then ultimately I landed um, a full my first full time job as an editor at a at a luxury uh, local magazine, and that was what you know started my writing career. So I you know I spent time at MSN and NBC, and I was an editor at um, 
Daily Candy, which um, is no longer, but it was you know popular at the time, and then uh, Refinery Twenty Nine as well. And but while I was there, which is how I got into dating, was um, I had a boyfriend. I, I met a guy when I came back to Miami, and he was very creative, and he was um, from like a creative family, and very uh, like you know, accepted. And he was one of the ones that really encouraged me to move into my writing career. And, um, in the beginning of like me wanting to write and being a freelancer, he encouraged me to start a blog in 2008, which, you know, was very smart. Very. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, so I always say like that relationship didn't work out, but my career did. So, um, you know, he, you know, he started the blog, for me. And then two weeks later, he dumped me. And I kind of felt like, <laughs> I know, it's like, how did this happen? Well, thanks like, was, for the gift, though. <laughs> like, you're confused. I was confused. Like, he was like, you're amazing. Like, start a blog. And I'm like, okay, I'm amazing. Like, I'll start a blog. And then two weeks later, he's like, it's not you, it's me. And I'm like, but I'm amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of felt like I was, um, like in that relationship when like you're breaking up or you're getting divorced and like you're stuck with the dog that like you never wanted, you know, like somehow in the custody battle, like you got the dog and like you never (laughs) even wanted the dog. And that's how, like, that's what the blog felt like. I was like, I got this blog like that I didn't even want, like he started it (laughs) and now I'm stuck with it. Um, and then I just came up with this like brilliant idea that like I would go, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go on a bunch of dates bad dates and I'm going to write about it and then he's going to read it and he's going to be like, why did I let let this amazing person go? And he's going to want to get, he's going to want to get back with me. So that's what I did. I would like go on all these dates and I would write about them. And then it started catching up to me because I I remember going out with one guy and he's like, you write about your dates, don't you? I'm like, what? (laughs) Where did you get that idea from? Uh, and you know, long story short, the boyfriend never wanted me back. In fact, he wrote like a mean <laughs> comment once on my blog and like, that was about it. And then, um, but my career, like in, you know, dating work in self-help work and spiritual work really started there. So I'm super mm. grateful for, you know, I, I look back and laugh at it now. Um, but I'm really, really grateful for that. You know, I got a column about dating and then I got my first uh, dating book and that was really like how it's, that was how that started for me. So many things that we have in common, including the fact that you went on a lot of dates and wrote about them because I did the same thing only a few years later. Yeah. I, I I went on 30 dates in 30 days and I wrote about them, but that's actually a good transition because I was going to ask you that, did you ever feel like you had to hide your dating life from your family? So yes, no, a hundred percent. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't hide it from, like, I have two brothers that we are like all three of us, like very close and best friends and not like, we don't judge each other. So I didn't have to hide from them, but from, from my mom, like a hundred percent. Cause I, it was just, you know, like she was just dying for me to like, be like, it's just, I think it was just something that she needed to get off her checklist. You know, she's like, I got to marry off my daughter. And it was just so stressful for her. I think she was more stressed than I was about. <laughs> and then my dad, I just like, didn't want him to think I was a slut, you know? So I just. <laughs> well, that's such a good, no, that is such a good thing that you mentioned that because I wanted to ask you about that too. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about the fact that a lot of women are afraid of being labeled a hoe because they like to go out on multiple dates maybe 30 in one month. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you dated a lot. You said it was like a sport to you. You didn't want your dad to think you were a slut. 
I can totally relate to that feeling of not wanting people to think that you were whatever, a hoe. Yeah. But why? Like, why do we feel that way? And why does it matter? It's the fucking patriarchy. Sorry, I'm not so <laughs> No, you're fine. <laughs> it's the patriarchy. My thoughts on sleeping with people when you're not committed. My belief that is that you have to be self-aware. You have to know if this is damaging you or if it's not, like if it's hurting you or not. Meaning like when I sleep with this person and I leave the next day, am I feeling, you know, guilty or shameful or did that not feel good? Then okay. Then like maybe you are like, you are somebody that can't do it that way. Like I think you have to be um, self-aware about it. I also think it, it depends on where you are in the process, right? So if you are ready to like find a committed relationship, sleeping with somebody, you know, uh, right away may be um, distracting for you. Meaning that um, some people confuse like lust with, um, with love. love. Yeah. yeah. So like for those people, like you just have to know yourself. You have to be like, you know, like I can't, I can't sleep. Like I'm ready for a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. And like, I get really confused when I sleep with the person the first time. Like sometimes I have people, like I have students that, um, sleep with a person and then they think they don't like them anymore because they like kind of got it done or the vice versa. They sleep with them and they get like attached. So like, if you know that that's your personality, then like, yeah, you, you know, you can't really, um, do it. I, there, there were times that I was sleeping with people to create closeness, to create intimacy, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I was trying to get close to somebody. I didn't know I was doing this. Looking back, I can see what I was doing. But subconsciously, like I was trying to get close to people. And since I, my heart was so closed and I couldn't connect like on a, like on a heart space level, I was like, well, if we just put our bodies together, like maybe that will create some sort of closeness because like my heart was so still healing, you know, and so, so, you know, hurt and wounded mm-hmm. from like that last relationship that like, it was easy for me, um, to do that. So, uh, but, um, so like some, there was times that I saw that I was doing that, but then sometimes it was just like, I was just having fun. Like I legitimately, you know, in a safe way, but I legitimately like, you know, I, I dated a lot of hot guys and like, <laughs> I, I was young and I, <laughs> And yeah. like, and but, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. But let's back it up to before you even sleep with them. Like what I was saying in general, dating as a whole doesn't have to involve sleeping with somebody. Like if you just want to go out on many dates to test the field, see what you like, see what you don't like. I think that's totally fine and acceptable. I went on 30 dates in 30 days and I didn't right. sleep with the guys, but oh wait, look, yeah. See, see what just happened. I just had to defend myself. Yeah. <laughs> There's that patriarchy again. Just let people know that I wasn't yeah. hoeing around. <laughs> but like it's so funny because it's kind of like it's kind of like a sales job. You know, like if you're in sales, you're you, you you're gonna you're like looking to make a sale. So you're gonna meet 20 people and maybe you're gonna make two sales. And but like, does that mean that you're all over the place or you don't know yourself? Like, no, like that's just part of it. Like you have to go and meet a lot of people. Like it's mm-hmm. at, at some point. So why does that mean that like you're slutty? You're just, 
you know, meeting a lot of people. Like it's so bizarre. Yeah. Because, but no, it's, it's that double standard. I mean, when it comes down to it, it's a double standard because men can do it. Women can't. And hopefully we're getting away from that a little bit more, but it's definitely there. And that's why I wanted to ask about your family because I felt kind of like that too. When I was growing up, I didn't really want to bring guys around my family. I didn't really want my family to really know that I was going out with people because there's just, you know, this expectation of, not dating too much or not being out there and being vulnerable. And I think maybe it goes back to what you said, that there that there's this danger of confusing lust with love. I had a little bit of that symptom for sure. Mm-hmm. So I totally, I get that. And I think it happens to a lot of people. And maybe that's why our parents try to protect us. And all, and all I know is growing up, it was always like basically unspoken that you don't have sex before marriage and that right. you right. don't get pregnant before marriage. Right. And right. if you do, you're basically dead. So I always right. had this fear in me. Of like, getting, I, yes, yes. I, you know, I can't mess up, but always, I also, thankfully, I think, I guess in a way, I also had the foresight to know that I wanted more in life than to get pregnant young. So yes. I was always very cautious about that. And I was mindful of that scenario. But the fear that my parents put in me, that that was worth something. All right. So we kind of derailed a little bit from the original topic, which was building relationships. And I want to go back to it a little. So you're a very busy person. You have kids, you are married, Mm -hmm. you have a business, you do a lot of things. How do you keep up with your friendships? Because I always have this fear that as we grow older, we will continue to pull apart from one another because our lives are just consuming us sometimes. Mm -hmm. So do you have any advice about that? Um, One thing that I, it just become, it has become like habit to me. And I I practice that with my friends and with all my relationships is I, I, I show up for the important stuff. Like I really am mindful of what is important to people because, and, and just going off of like, what's important to me. Like when I launched like my last book, um, like I expect my friends to show up for that, you know, like I, yeah. and like, I expect them to support me in, in that. If my friend, you know, is announcing that they like just got a new job and they want to go to happy hour, like, even if I'm freaking tired, like I'm going, you know, like if, if a friend just gave birth, like I'm going, um, you know, like, and I, those are the sacred, like, am I going to be at every child's birthday party. Like, am I, no, but like the things that, that are kind of like this, you know, once in a lifetime type of situation, like I really try to be supportive. And even if I'm not there, if there's some sort of, um, milestone that I can tell is important to that friend, like I'm going to show up. And if I can't, like, I'm going to show them that like, like I'm going to listen to them and ask them how it was. And, and really like, I think that it's about the important things, you know, like it's about showing up in those like important moments, um, similar to kids, right? Like I can't go to every, you know, to every event, but like the ones that are important to them, like I'm going to be there. Yeah. I don't think it's that you have to be in like constant contact. Um, but I think that like you show that they're important to you, you know? I'm interrupting this awesome episode to ask you a favor. Will you take a few seconds to leave a review? Tell me what other topics you would like to hear on the show. It takes less than 30 seconds to write a review and you can help change lives. Okay, I mean, that might be an exaggeration, but that's the kind of impact that Diferente is all about. 
a brighter outlook, a different perspective, all of this can be life transforming. The other thing that I've found interesting is that as we grow older, when it comes to building relationships and, and friendships, as we grow older, there's almost like this expectation that when you meet someone, they want something from you or you want something from them. Mm. And and I think it has something to do with the fact that we're all busy people. And so we treat everything like networking. How, yeah. I don't know if you've noticed that, but that I think that's been hard for me as well, because there's been this transition of just easy going friendship where you're you just kind of casually become friends because you are exposed to one another on a constant basis, maybe in school or work. And now it's like, no, you actually have to make an effort, but you have to, you know, make an effort without having an expectation that that person's going to have to give you something in return. It's like, you know, it's like dating as well that like, <laughs> you know, like, does this guy just want to sleep with me? Like, is that what this is? And it takes time to see, you know, who people are. And unfortunately, we can't see it like right away. But I think that ultimately, you'll see you're going to see it in actions. Like, are they going to show up to the important things? You know, are they going to, um, you know, like, and right away, like you can, you can start telling through actions if they're really going to be like that kind of friendship. I think you also need to know what kind of friendship you want. Like, I think you have to be clear um, yourself with like the kind of friends that you're looking for. You know, it's and I teach this in dating. Like half of it is like, what kind of partner do you need? What kind of friend do you need? So that like, you can kind of start categorizing friendships. Like, oh, like that's a work person. That's a colleague. Like that's just somebody that like I know, you know, through work. And then that's a close friend because my close friends, like these are my, you know, my expectations of, of close friends. Like this is, and I'm going to put that amount of effort because we can't put the same amount of effort in every friendship. It's a give and take. And then also you kind of have to take into account what you want. Just like you said, it's like you have to know yourself to understand how other people need to see you and also how you need to see other people. Just like the mm -hmm. old saying goes, you know, you have to love yourself before anyone else can love you. I feel mm -hmm. like that's applicable to also friendships. Um, mm -hmm. So let me uh, turn the corner a little bit here. How and why did you decide to be a dating coach? I would say it came my way. I definitely, when I started writing the blog and like journeying, because, you know, dating was how I, like I said, like it's how I found myself. It's, it was, it was my, my journey to self-love. It was my, you know, my spiritual journey, my um, the beginning of my awakening and may I be awakening till the day I die. Um, but I, when I started doing that kind of writing, I fell in love with, like, I, I loved, I've always loved writing, writing. Um, but I was writing dating. I'm sorry. I was writing fashion and beauty, uh, a lot of lifestyle stuff, like in the publications that I worked for. And in, I enjoyed it, but I had no idea that I was like missing um, some sort of depth. And when I like found this this kind of world where I could observe things and write about them, like that was the depth I guess I was looking for. And I fell in love with that kind of expression, and um, it was just a really good fit for me. I started reading a lot of self help and personal mm -hmm. development, and I just realized that a lot of the books that I was reading were written by like older white men or older white women. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is weird. Like, why aren't there any, um, and this was, you know, earlier on, there's a lot more now that there was a huge explosion after the blogs. But, um, at the time I was like, you know, there's nothing, um, 
like none of these people look like me. Like they don't, you know, represent me. Uh, there was good stuff, but I also just felt I couldn't really relate to them. And then um, really it was, I thought I was just going to write. I guess I never really thought that I was going to have to have, that I was going to have to have clients or I guess I was just like, oh, well, you know, I write books. And like, that was the idea. But then people just started, I really fell in love with teaching. Um, I, you know, people would ask me to teach and because they would just ask me about what I wrote and I would teach like little seminars in Miami and people would show up and, um, and I, I don't know, I just, I, like, I just fell in love with like, um, sharing like this awakening stuff that I just feel like so important to people because, um, you know, dating feels very transactional, which, you know, any like looking for relationships, whether it be romantic or not, but sometimes it just feels so transactional. And at the end of the day, it's really a spiritual journey. Like in order to energetically get to a place where you can find the same energetic match, like you got to do the work, you know, like you got to like, look at all your wounds. You got to, you know, um, you know, look at them, work them, um, love yourself, forgive, like all these different things Mm -hmm. in order to, to really bring in like the love that you, you deserve, like that you, that you are worthy of. It's not just having the right text messaging line or having the right (laughs) profile picture or the right hair, (laughs) the right hair, the right weight. It's really not that it's, it's about your insides matching another person's insides. And sometimes we want a certain person, but we, we don't, we haven't energetically like moved the junk out of ourselves in order to make space for that kind of love. So mm-hmm. I just, I knew, um, you know, I, I really loved like spiritual work and I, I really, you know, believe in, um, in that we're souls here, like looking to evolve and we have like lessons to learn and, and, and we have, we're here to grow and to expand, but that's not sexy. Like no, nobody wants to do spiritual work for the hell of spiritual work. Like you can go maybe to church to like get fed if that, you know, feels good for you. But like, I mean, nobody really is going to do that work, like just for the hell of it. But I found that, people would do the work if it meant that they were going to find love at the end of it. Hmm. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to teach that way. Like I'm going to teach about this, this coming to self, this coming home, this opening of the heart, this healing journey through the lens of dating and relationships because um, people understand it that way. You know, if you're dating, like it's so frustrating, but um but actually it's, it's a lesson that's showing up for your life. It's, it's, it's for you. It's um, that the struggle is the struggle to find that relationship is for you because it's going to expand you. If you are open to the expansion, I try to teach like um, that expansion. And, and there's, there's like a, a gold star at the end. There's a, you know, a, a cherry on the top at the end of this. So people are more willing to do the work. I feel that that is why, uh, life throws us these kind of, you know, these little challenges like, oh, I can't find like the job that I like, or I can't make the amount of money that I I have to make because those are the things that we'll work for. Like, we'll be like, okay, fine. Like you want me to go like, you know, do meditation and like, is that going to help me, you know, find the love Mm -hmm. of my life or make more money? Like I'll do it. That's a very interesting perspective because I was just sitting here thinking (laughs) when you were talking about that work that you have to do to get to grow or to, to work on your spirituality. I was thinking of my biggest issue during my dating time, which was probably rejection 
or the mm -hmm. fear of rejection. I think that was mm -hmm. the biggest thing that I, that I could not stand when it came to dating. I just could not stand the rejection. Right. And I was constantly rejected. Like, it's of funny, course. but I, it was very easy for me to get somebody to like me quickly, like to go out on a date with or a few dates with, right. but it was really hard to grow from there. Mm -hmm. And, and I was always dealing with that rejection of who I really was. It was like, they, they thought I was fun and cool and everything was, was all groovy when things were light. But the moment I started to reveal myself mm -hmm. in a more deep way yeah, cause you're deep. and vulnerable, mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. scared people off all the time. And it was constant rejection after rejection. And that, right. that can really mess with your head because it can really make you feel like you're not good enough and like there's something wrong with you. We internalize that, right? Which is what you're saying. Like you internalize being like, oh, it must be me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm getting rejected because I'm me rather than I'm getting rejected because maybe there's a something a little like, you know, kind of like I need, maybe I just need a new strategy. You know, like maybe I need, um, there's, there's something, something for, going on here that I, I need to figure out. For me, it was maybe I just need to be myself unapologetically right. and stop apologizing right. for being and myself. That's you, <laughs> that's you having a new strategy. And, and, like and myself is not for everyone. That's really what yes. it comes down to. And that's you having a new strategy slash perspective, right? It's you finally being like, oh, mm -hmm. it's be like, I'm not going to do it this way anymore. Like, I'm not going to do it to try to please people or try to, you know, or take it personal. Like, I'm not going to do that. And then like, once you flip that, I'm sure shortly after you start finding, your, you know, you meet your husband. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, so, it, it's true. It's true. Yeah. So you mentioned also in your podcast that you hate the um, generic advice of you just have to appear confident when you're dating. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give us some non-generic uh, dating advice. So non-generic dating advice. <laughs> Um, definitely, uh, presence, right? Like there's so much anxiety around dating and that is just a given, but we have to know that anxiety is energy in the body, right? It's just like, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's energy that's, that, that is stuck and it won't move. So we have, we have to know that we're up against that energy and that energy needs to be moved and it's not, there's nothing wrong with it. And what happens is that when we feel anxious, we believe anxiety, we believe it. And it's just, a, it's a type of fear, right? So we start believing our fear, whether it mean like, I'm not good enough, or this is not the right guy for me, because I'm like, so, you know, like, as I don't feel well, or like, this doesn't feel well. But we have to learn um, our anxiety, like what, like, what our anxiety is. And we have to constantly move it through the body, meaning, we have to do the things that lessen the anxiety. So um, that might be running or exercising or going to yoga or um, eating well, like, you know, limiting coffee, whatever it may be, it's different for everybody. But like, we have to be aware of that nervous energy and do our best to move it through the body um, because it's not, it's going to take over and we're not going to know because we're not going to know our feelings, right? And date, in, in dating, we need to be connected to our heart. We need to be connected to our feelings because it is it is not a game of the head. It's not a logical thing. We're not trying to like pick somebody off of a menu. We're trying to feel something because what we're looking for is a feeling. Mm. So we need to be able to use our heart, that that you know intuitive 
feeling part of us, but if we have a layer of anxiety on top of it, because it's not about getting rid of anxiety altogether, but if we can't differentiate the difference between our anxiety slash fear and our actual feelings, then we lose like our GPS. So it doesn't mean that that goes away because, you know, fear is always with us and which Mm -hmm. fear is just, you know, the, the anxiety, but we have to know the difference between the two and we have to do the things that lessen the anxiety. So is that, yeah. that's, un, that's non-generic, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's one thing. <laughs> Absolutely. But you know what else I've noticed? I also think that we have to stop waiting around for the perfect person to come around so that we can start living our lives. Because that was one thing that I had to do when I was single. I was waiting and waiting to start living the life I wanted, because I was afraid that if I started living the life I wanted and the person came along, they might not like what I was doing. So maybe I would Mm. miss out on them, which is so ridiculous, you know, looking back. And of course, I made the decision to arm myself with courage and go do what I wanted to do. And then basically my my feeling was if I build it, he will come. (laughs) No pun intended. No, but that's that's true. No, yes, that definitely like I think that that also goes hand in hand with um the idea that my happiness is going to come from like this relationship that's that's going to come like almost like I can't be happy fully until that relationship comes, mm, yeah. which means like you know we put everything else on yeah. on hold cuz like this is the one thing that's going to make us happy, which inadvertently causes a lot of um, stress on a relationship that doesn't even exist yet. So imagine like if I, in my head, I'm like, I, this, you know, this future relationship that I'm going to have whenever I have it, um, is equals my happiness. Like my happiness completely depends on like me being in this kind of relationship. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. So, and we don't notice that we're doing it. The best of us don't, the smartest of us have no idea that we're doing it. So every time we go on a date, that person that's with us, energetically can feel the pressure and it, and we're, we're under pressure. Cause we are almost like, am I going to pick right? Like, am I, is this going to be the one? Like, <laughs> am I going to fuck this up? Yeah. And like, Oh my God, like you can't even, um, you know, you can't even be present and, and actually understand what's really going on. Or we jump into things that are not the right thing for us because we're just, we have so much pressure on this. Um, and that's for anything that's for anything that that's for, I have to have the most perfect career because that's what's going to make me happy. Hmm. Like, oh my God, so much pressure <laughs> on a career. Like, live your life. Yeah. Like, happiness is this collective of all these different things in our lives that make us happy. It's not just one thing, right? It's that we're, it feels that we're waking up every day and we're, we are creating our life and, and in a way that feels in alignment with our soul. And that's where our happiness comes from. Yes, is, is a romantic relationship going to add to your happiness? Of course. I mean, my husband, that's a lot of, that's a big part of my happiness. My kids are part of my happiness, my dog, my, my home, my business, all those things, but it's not just one thing. So Mm -hmm. you keep building the other things that you can build in the meantime. I love that. Do you, do you believe in soulmates? Oh my gosh, I can tell you all about soulmates. (laughs) (laughs) I I really wanted to ask you that because as a dating coach, I almost feel like you have to believe that everybody has a person out there for them. Yeah. So, um, so a soulmate is actually, um, the term is like romanticized, but a soulmate is somebody that we've lived 
a past life with. So like your mother could be a soulmate, let's say. Like let's say in a past life, oh, you guys I love were, that. Your best friend could be a soulmate. Your best friend could have been your brother in a past life, whatever it may be. We're all surrounded by soulmates right now, like which is beautiful. Like we're it's so funny how we're always waiting for soulmates, but we have so <laughs> many soulmates in our life. I don't believe that there is one person for everybody. Um I I think we have several um I think we live in a world of like sliding doors. You know, I think we live like in this kind of this universe where um, we, we change paths all the time, like based on our decisions. It's really that we have like, we're, you know, we can have different connections with different people. And I, I think that the, the goal really in long-term relationships is to be growing together, you know, to be very uh, conscious that to let the other person in enough to grow with you, like call it a soulmate, but it's really that we've learned to grow with that person and we've learned to open up to that person and be vulnerable to that person. And that's how that connection is made. And I think that lifts a lot of the stress off of people's shoulders also, that yes. there's not just one person for you out there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, people, you know what I mean? People are getting back with their exes just because they think they're soulmates. Oh. I mean, you know, I was one of them. Like I, this boyfriend that I had that started the blog for me, um, I was convinced that like I had met my person, you know, like that, oh my God, like this is like, um, this is it. And when we broke up, I was like, okay, well, just no chance at love. Like, I'm just not going to have that. And I was like coming to terms with that, you know? And it's funny because, uh, the relationship I have with my husband, I always think like, like, thank the Lord, you know, like thank the universe, thank, you know, everything because, marriage is hard, you know, all, all of the, like long-term relationships are, they're challenging. And I would have never, we would have never made it like me and that other, like never the things that like my husband and I have been able to get through, we, I would have never been able to do that with the other person. So I'm grateful for it. Why do you think that is that we get so attached to one individual or maybe sometimes a couple of people after we date them and things don't work out? Why do, why do we mm-hmm. put so much weight on it? It's interesting. We attach ourselves to certain relationships, not because we're so in love with the other person, but we're actually in love with the person who shows up in that relationship, meaning ourselves. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So for instance, uh, you know, when I was in LA, that on and off boyfriend that I mentioned really quick, I love him to pieces to this day. Um, He just brought something out in me like you know and I was I was really like learning to become myself and he he was very free-spirited very bohemian I had no idea that like that was my essence and he introduced that to me and I thought that he was the like I I was totally in love with this person which was not logical at all because there were so many things about him that were like not right Mm -hmm. but I was in the feeling that I got in that relationship was so you know, just euphoric, but it was because I was showing up. Like I was creating that energy. Like I was connecting to my own essence. And because I didn't have the language for it, I thought that I was, it was the connection between me and him, but it was actually the connection to self. And wow, that's, you know, and then we think it's the relationship, Uh but it's not, it's the person who shows up. I also think that it's really hard to get over someone until we figure out the reason they came into our lives. Like I, yes. I think that in order to get past a hurt or a heartbreak or relationship that didn't work out, there has to come a point where you realize mm-hmm. 
their role in your life. Like, okay, this is why they came here. This is why we had to go through this. And now, now we're done. Now their time with me is now is over. The lesson is over. And now there's times to look back. Like we can look back at my LA boyfriend. And of course it's beautiful. Like, Oh my God, he brought this like free spirited out of me. He really opened me up. Like that is a beautiful experience. But then you hear of people who are, you know, in abusive relationships mm. or in narcissistic relationships. Yeah. And it's very hard to look back at that and try to find the silver lining. That's true. And be like, well, and that's the tr that's where it gets tricky because trauma, that's traumatic and that's trauma's a real thing. But yes, it's like, you know, yeah, you were with the narcissist because you had to learn to rise and um, become strong and no longer, you know, be a victim. But that's really hard to swallow when yeah. you're still recovering from the abuse of a, you know, a relationship like that. But yes, I absolutely agree with you. I just, what I'm just trying to say is that like for some people, it's going to be easy for some relationships, it's going to be easier than others because of that. Um, because yeah. not all of them are, you know, yeah. sunshine. I will definitely have to have you back because there's so much more <laughs> that we can learn together. But two more questions that I ask every guest What is your passion and how do you define success? I would say that my passion is just to feel like myself. I mean, I think that my passion used to be like an outward thing before um, for many years because I think that that's like what we're taught, that it's like outside of us. But to me, like I'm just passionate about being myself, like feeling authentic to my soul. Like I'm always looking for that. How do I define success? Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately because um, I think we're coming down like as a collective from a place of like big, bigger is better. And I think as of late, like within this last year, we've been kind of, um, because we've been um, really releasing a lot of the ego um, the last couple of years, I think people are coming down to this place where like, well, maybe bigger is not better. And I think that I was in a place of like bigger is better. Um, and lately, like I've had people coming to me that are like, who had been working towards like these really like audacious goals, um, you know, and being like, maybe, you know, that's not really making me happy anymore. Um, like maybe I can do this like uh, in a simpler way. And um, so I, I've been finding that interesting because there, there definitely is a difference between like what we're taught is success and like actually what feels like success. Um, so I think it's going to be different for everybody. For me in particular, like success is, is to me where I, where my energy levels are like at a good place that I am putting out, but also put receiving enough to like nourish myself. Like I, I success is really defined by where my energy is like, okay, like, am I depleted? Well, like I'm not being successful right now. And I think success may, may change from time to time. Like, I think that maybe one year it's, oh, like my kids are all alive and doing well, like that's successful, you know, like, um, yeah. So I'm just realizing that I, I guess I used to think it was like bigger was better. And now I'm like, oh, you know, like success is, is everybody happy? Like, does everybody feel at peace? Do I feel at peace? Like, do I feel like I have energy to smile and, and feel peaceful? Then like, that's successful to me. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you like this episode, let me know by leaving a five-star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Just don't forget to tag me at Adiferente Life so I can know you're listening. Hasta pronto.